And so now at year 10, I can, with no shame whatsoever, say that it's okay to not know what you're doing, even if you're in a business that's been around for a while. It's never too late to ask for help or to try to learn more about what you don't know. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by Balance Wealth, an advisory firm that views you as more than a number. We know you deserve to partner with a team of professionals who care about you and your goals and empower you to make educated decisions about retirement. Your success is our success. And at Balanced Wealth, we will be with you every step of the way. To learn more, visit balancewealth.com. Today, I am with Ashley Rankin. She is the founder of Shredley, a women's athletic apparel company. Ashley grew up loving the outdoors and thought mountain biking was awesome, but the selection of riding apparel for women was boring, baggy, and looked like it was made for the boys. In 2012, she decided to start Shredley, a company with the goal of giving women something to wear that was fun and fashionable. About five years ago, I discovered Shredley when I was on a mountain bike ride with a good friend of mine. She showed up with these awesome bike pants and they were colorful and they were fun. And I asked her about it and she said, you know what? My relative told me about these pants and I checked them out and I love them. And so word of mouth marketing, and I'm sure a lot of hard work on Ashley's uh, part led to her making it to 10 years. So just this month, Shredley is celebrating the 10th anniversary. And so I decided to see if Ashley would have a conversation with me about entrepreneurship and what it takes to be a woman in business. And she was very nice enough to say yes. So I'm delighted to welcome Ashley to the podcast today. Yeah, I'm really excited about your 10-year anniversary. I've been in business probably two decades, a very different type of business, so I know what it takes. And it all started with a Kickstarter campaign, as I understand it. So tell me a little bit about how you got this idea of creating a company that started off with cute mountain bike pants for your girlfriends, but then obviously has evolved. Yeah. Well, so I think we'd have to probably go back to my childhood to understand how things have come full circle. I grew up in Colorado and kind of in the sticks a little bit. And so I was always outside. We rode bikes as a family. I rode bikes with my brother and sister and dogs and kids around the neighborhood, uh, kind of just making our own trails, cruising around wherever we could go. But I was always, I had painted nails, I had crimped hair, I loved my clothes, I loved makeup, I loved all of that stuff. And now looking back on that, I understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, but I didn't know then where it would really lead me. So fast forward, so I grew up in Colorado, I always thought that I, as I, as I grew older, I thought that I wanted to live in the big city, be a designer, I always wanted to be a clothing designer. 
um, live in a high rise, kind of basically be Jennifer Aniston on Friends in a way. And um, I went to school in Colorado, studied in Florence, Italy for a summer. I, I fell in love with Italy. I thought, well, maybe I could live here. Uh, but I had to come back to Colorado to finish my degree. And when I graduated, I didn't want to leave the mountains. I really wasn't in the mountains in college. I was still in, in Colorado, but I was in northern Colorado. And I just felt this pull to go back to the mountains. And so I lived in a couple, a, another small mountain town called Crested Butte before getting a job in Aspen, which is close to where I grew up. And I went back there and I pursued the business side of um, my degree. So I have a, a degree in apparel design and production and also a degree in business marketing. So I kind of knew at this point that my job opportunities were limited, but I took a job in real estate and put my marketing to use. And this is what kind of led me on the path that I'm on now. I had disposable income. Um, I had started riding my bike more. That was kind of my my hobby, biking and skiing. And my girlfriends and I would ride a lot. And having some disposable income, I was looking for some new riding apparel. And the options were just so limited. And I'm a shopper. Obviously, I love clothes. I love fashion. And I, I hadn't bought anything because I just couldn't find anything that I liked. Either the materials seemed good but the fit wasn't great or the fit was okay but the materials weren't great and so I didn't I didn't feel like I was finding what I was looking for and me and my two best friends went on this trip to ride bikes in Moab and we kind of just designed what our ideal short was on that trip we talked about the features that we wanted the cute prints that we wanted the comfort that we wanted and I would not, I wasn't able to stop thinking about this idea. I would fall asleep at night, like seeing all these cute shorts going through my mind and the patterns that I wanted. And I thought, well, maybe with my background in apparel design and production and my desire to design, I could just make these for, for me and my friends. And I'm sure if we want them, other people would want them too. But I had no entrepreneurial experience. I didn't even really, I think, realize what it was that I was imagining. Was I imagining this brand, not really. I was really focused on the product. I just wanted to kind of bring this product to life, but I knew the product would need a name and um, I would need a logo. And so I kind of just, I wasn't building a business. I was just doing one thing at a time that would lead to getting this product in the market. And it was a less overwhelming way maybe to start a business because I just didn't know what I didn't know. So I didn't, I didn't have this big picture of everything that I needed to put in place. I kind of just took it one step at a time. And Kickstarter is how we raised our first round of production financing. And that was a very new model back then. It was very scary. Crowdfunding was new. It wasn't what everyone had done yet. I'd kind of just heard about it from a friend of a friend, but I'd never seen another project or anything like that. So that was, I think, when I realized this is this is pretty real, like I'm going to put this project out there, I'm going to try to raise money for it, and I'm going to have to deliver these products to people. I guess I'm I'm doing this, and I had a part time job, and so I did this all with a part time job, and one thing kind of led to another, and it really was, I think, an indication to me that the market was so ready for a product like this that the moment that I launched it. Everything else from that point has been pulled from us. We haven't been pushing stuff on the market. We've just been reacting to what's being pulled from us by by our consumers and and the market. 
Well, you know, it's interesting. There's two things that come to mind for me. One is that I've been on a ski trip with a girlfriend and we were laying in bed one night after having wine, trying to design the perfect ski jacket for women. <laughs> uh, we did not act on that. Neither of us have the background that you do, but I can certainly identify with being a woman and feeling like, you know, this is it, but it's not quite it. And so, you know, your focus and, and this obsession that you started to have with the bike pants has, has certainly really paid off. Now, why bike pants versus a t-shirt or or something else? Like, I know you were biking, but is there any other reason why it was bike pants? And, and where did you come up with the name Shredley? Two great questions. So I'll answer the name first. So my two best friends that I were telling, that I was saying I went on that trip with, when it came time to naming it, we kind of, you know, we would text each other back and forth. What about this? What about that? And one of my girlfriends, Stacy, came up with it. And she said, what about Shredley? And the tagline was for girly chicks who ride. And we dropped the tagline, but we kept Shredley. And it's a made-up word, but the word shred, you know, you can shred anything. My production manager asked me once, like, explain to me what shred means. And I just said, it's kind of where you do anything and you do it hard or you do it well. Or, you know, she goes, so I can shred my sewing machine? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's kind of a very colloquial term. But um, why pants? Well, because I think that that's kind of like the backbone of riding apparel. So you can ride in a t-shirt for sure. You still can. You could ride in performance top, but the pants is, I think, what controls your comfort the most. So like you need abrasion resistance. You need a garment that technically performs and technically fits you to make you comfortable on the bike. And I think that especially as women, if something's uncomfortable, it's going to deter you from doing it. So our philosophy is really like we want the adventure to begin the moment that you get dressed, both from an experiential point of view and from a performance point of view. So, for example, I used a dirt bike. And when I would get dressed, you'd put on the gear. And that is part of what makes you feel the part of a, a dirt biker. Um, and you'd feel like a badass putting on this gear that's has a certain aesthetic and it's made out of certain materials. It's like kind of putting on your armor. And I would compare that to the experience of getting dressed for biking. And it just wasn't there for me. It wasn't fun. It wasn't exciting. I had some like pretty awful shorts that I could hardly get over my butt because they didn't have a closure. <laughs> um, and so I really wanted to create that experience for women when they were getting ready to go that like the moment that they like picked out the pair of shorts that they were going to wear that that would start their excitement for what they were about to do. I have two pairs of Shredley um, bike pants and some t-shirts. And I can tell you they're two very different pairs and it all depends on the mood that I'm in. Like, am I in a mood mm -hmm. to be loud and obnoxious or am I in a mood to be a little bit quieter on that particular ride? And so I do definitely see as somebody who uses your product that it does make a difference. And certainly in other sports I do as well, if you have something that you feel really good about. Now, one of the things that, you know, as a writer, as somebody who professionally speaks, I'll often look for things that I do that are metaphors for what I'm talking about. And I've talked about, you know, skiing and the challenge of skiing and how it's a male dominated sport and how uh, that often, you know, has taught me so much about hanging with the boys and how to be feminine while hanging with the boys and how to be a better leader. But I find biking is also a metaphor. And it can be a metaphor for 
entrepreneurship. And I noticed you have this awesome video. We'll put a link in the show notes to it. Your anniversary video where you mentioned that the last 10 years has been a great ride with ups and downs. Tell us a little bit more, like what have the ups been like? Oh my gosh. So all the ups and downs. You have those moments where it's pure bliss. You wouldn't want to be doing anything else. That's like the best part of the ride, right? But then, of course, you have other moments like, whose idea was this? Who picked this trail? Um, I'm never riding with you again. You know, those those moments. Like, who even thought this sport was fun? Um, and so I think it's always good to come back to those rides that were really hard that you didn't enjoy or the parts of the ride that you didn't enjoy. But then you get to the part of the ride that's really fun. And so I do. I think it's the best metaphor because those hard climbs are usually they usually give you a really great descent. Although we all know about those rides that feel like they were all uphill and where was the downhill. I think sometimes you can feel that way in business, but knowing that there usually is a payoff, there usually is a reward for all of those, those hard climbs, that hard work kind of helps give me perspective. Absolutely. In fact, when you said those rides where it's all uphill, I flashed to this one ride where friends of ours, they just love to go uphill. I'm like, you know, it's, I like to go downhill. I like to take a lift uphill <laughs> and I'm willing to bike and work hard, but I just flashed to that area. So I totally know what you're talking about. The other thing that I think is interesting, specifically about mountain biking, but I think people who are listening that don't mountain bike, they could pick another sport or a hobby that they do and identify with it. But often with mountain biking, especially if you go back to the same place, what I find it is so interesting is even if you take the same trail, it's not the same ride. And often a feature or something you weren't able to do one week, you're able to master the next week. And I find with entrepreneurship, the more you do it, the more you learn, you gain mastery. But the other exciting part, and I probably wouldn't say this when I'm experiencing a down, but the other exciting part is that you meet these challenges and you learn so much about yourself. You do. You do. And I think you also just recognize, just like you said, you can go on the same ride you've always gone on. If your nutrition has been different, if your sleep is different, if anything's different, that can feel like a completely different ride. And so having that awareness when it comes to business, even when you gain all this knowledge, but sometimes if things just feel harder than normal, or you don't have the same positive approach, or you don't get the same outcome, it can just be completely circumstantial and usually short lived because again, it's just that day. Yes. And the longer you're in business, I find it's easier to bounce back from having a down uh, it, it, I built up resistance or resilience, I guess is the word. And, and I imagine that you have too. Ashley, I want to switch gears a little bit. So we've talked a little bit about your business, how you created it, you know, how it's a metaphor, this mountain biking uh, for entrepreneurship. And now I want to switch to breaking money silence with you. So when you started your business, I'm wondering how financially literate were you? Like, did you really understand the finances or did you like a lot of women and business owners just kind of jump in? Oh, such a great question. My financial literacy was very limited to my personal finances. I was 28 when I started. So I was what feels now very young. Um, I didn't own a home. I, I had very basic, simple finances, and I actually enjoyed things like balancing my checkbook. You know, I grew up having some really great guidance there, but business is a whole different story. And my marketing degree did include some accounting 101 type classes, which I loved. Everything had a right or a wrong answer, but <laughs> I did not know, and I probably know now at year 10, 
how little I really knew about the financial side of things. And I still continue to see how all roads lead back to financing. And so it's actually one of the things that I always tell people when they're talking to me about, do you wish you would have done anything different? Or I'm thinking about starting my own business. What what do you recommend? I think finding some guidance there early on before you think you need it is so important because you can, I just jumped in and you can do that. And you can, it's very simple in the beginning. If you can balance your bank statement and balance your credit cards, that's great. But the path of your business is so dependent on your financial capabilities. And I have just, I can't emphasize that enough because it's what I've learned the most that I wish I would have done sooner. Really finding someone who can help you plan. How are you going to fund your projects? Where do you want to be in five years and what do you need to get there? And what is the financing that you're going to need to get there? Like we kind of, like I said earlier, we were always giving the market things that they were pulling from us. So we were very reactionary. And so our financial planning was in a way also very reactionary. We would figure out our project costs and what we would need to fund that. But having a bigger picture, look at everything I mean, because like I said, everything leads back to financing. Your designs, are your designs going to be feasible with the margins that you need? What are the margins that you need? We started our business with everything made in the USA. So we had this model that we knew we needed to sell a certain amount direct, but was the USA feasible forever? And then when when your production model shifts, how does the financing shift? Your budgeting, your marketing, everything still comes back to financing. And so I think that I'm so grateful to know so many parts of my business so well, but I have learned hiring to your weaknesses is a really great strength. And so for me, I know that the financing side of things is not my strength. And so that's where I need some some outside support. And a lot of small businesses like mine, you don't have a CFO. You don't even have a C-suite level. A lot of your positions are contract positions. And so really finding the right people that can help advise you on these things that are so crucial to your business is important. And I went through this experience where I started my business and once I was in it and I was doing it, I felt like, well, because I'm in the position I'm in, I think people expect that I know what I'm doing. And I can, and on the financial side of things, on the design side of things, just on the business operation side of things. And so on the financial side of things, I was a little bit, I I would say around year five, I was kind of embarrassed to ask for help. Like we're growing, things are changing. I'm not quite sure I understand this. Like I knew a, I knew a balance sheet. I knew a, an income statement, but really understanding how your products affect that and how everything flows through is, is very different as you grow and change as well. And so now at year 10, I can with no shame whatsoever say that it's okay to not know what you're doing, even if you're in a business that's been around for a while. It's never too late to ask for help or to try to learn more about what you don't know. I think that's a great message because I think a lot of not just women, but also men, and especially when it comes to money, because it's a taboo topic, we feel like, oh, we should know this. And Mm -hmm. as we get further along, we realize that our financial lives and our business finances change over time. So I think that's a really great message that you can ask for help at any time. 
that you don't have any shame doing that. And, you know, you didn't go into the finance business. You went into the the Shredley business. You went into apparel. So it kind of makes <laughs> sense that you'd bring somebody in uh, who had that expertise. Now, I'm curious for somebody listening into the podcast right now who's considering launching a business. I know this is a hard question, but what advice would you give them now that you're a 10-year veteran? Like one or two tips for somebody out there saying, I want to do what Ashley's did. Mm -hmm. Well, I would repeat everything I just said about all the financial pieces. Get help before you think you need it, uh, because then you can kind of stay ahead of the game. And having this 10-year anniversary, we've stopped as a team and we really looked back like where, where we started where we are now and what's happened along the way. And I would encourage anyone else to do that more often. Do that on an annual basis. Reflect on what you've accomplished. It's amazing how fast a year goes. And it's amazing how fast 10 years go. So if you are really disciplined in tracking what your goals are and then reflecting on what you've accomplished, what you haven't, and maybe why you haven't, do you need to adjust more achievable goals? Are there things that you're not just able to get to? I think that as an entrepreneur, especially if you were like me and you started by yourself without a team, without investment, you will end up doing everything. And that's okay. It's a really great way to get to know all parts of your business, but the time goes by faster than you could ever imagine. And so having, reflecting on goals, having measurable goals and making taking the time to to really do that i think will help you establish your path and understand where you are in terms of where you would like to be and i know that that's probably so easy you know easier said than done i remember people saying update your business plan every year and those things seem like they are not the priority when the priority is keeping your business running but it is the priority it's really important and then the other thing i would say is just Take it one step at a time, because in the beginning, like I said, it, it would have felt overwhelming if I was, you know, trying to think about how do I build this business? So just doing one thing at a time, like I said to myself, OK, I'm going to achieve one thing a day. And that might not feel like quick progress, but in the end, it's still progress. And so you don't have to feel like you have to do everything at once. And it's OK if the progress is slow, but it will make you feel like you're making progress. Yeah. No, and you've made a lot of progress. I mean, I'm really glad I learned about your company. I'm really glad to be able to share your business knowledge and share that your 10-year anniversary with you. And I'm I'm curious, as we kind of come to a close here on the podcast, what's next for Shredley? Yeah. So you'll see us dive deeper into our commitment to sustainability. It's really important to me, but it's also something that I just don't think you can ignore if you're in the industry of making things. We'll also continue to expand on our offerings as it pertains to size and style inclusion. We really strive to be the go-to brand in the industry for all bodies and sizes. So you'll see us focus a lot more on those two things. Awesome. Well, those are great goals that I can certainly get behind. So I know you have a special offer for anybody who's listening to this podcast. Um, so why don't you share that and also where people can check out Shredley and hopefully make a purchase? Yeah. So uh, you can find us at Shredley. It's at S-H-R-E-D-L-Y. We're most active on Instagram. Um, and then Shredley.com is where you can find all the goodies. And we'd love to give everyone listening a free shipping code. Uh, that is K-B-K, ship love. 
And I like that shipping code. Having my own shipping code <laughs> is kind of exciting. So we're going to put all of that in the show notes. We'll put a link to the video, your anniversary video, which I really enjoyed. And it has been so nice to get to know you, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining me and Breaking Money Silence today. Thank you so much, Kathleen. And thank you for doing what you do. This episode is sponsored by Balance Wealth, an advisory firm that views you as more than a number. We know you deserve to partner with a team of professionals who care about you and your goals and empower you to make educated decisions about retirement. Your success is our success. And at Balanced Wealth, we will be with you every step of the way. To learn more, visit balancewealth.com. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.